What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 93 of the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. We're getting into the dog days of summer, and most sports seasons are either not starting or winding down. So all we got is baseball and basketball this week for you. Sean and I jumped right in, talked NBA finals. After that, we talked a little bit of NBA rumors. And then we talked baseball. The Yankees are hot right now, and we talked mainly about that and some MLB free agency, believe it or not, midseason. So check out the website, sorrysports.com. We'll have a bunch of articles running this week, so those will be some good reads. Follow us on Twitter, at sorrysports, on Instagram, sorry underscore sports. And if you want to write an article or just say hey, our email is sorrysports at yahoo.com. Enjoy the pod. Everybody, welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast, uh, episode 93. We are here for Monday Rundown. It's a late Monday Rundown, but here nonetheless, I'm Sean calling in to the studio. Tom's there holding down the fort. How we doing, my man? What's going on? Uh, I like how you introduced yourself on episode 93, as if people didn't well, know who you were yet. I was just letting everybody know where I, that I was not in studio there with you. They know who I am. I just are... wanted to say that I wasn't with you doing this pod sitting across from you are you in bed with mike or no 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 no. put him on i know he's laying next to you put him on put him on the phone no dude right no 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 no. he's out actually he's out he's (laughs) not he's not he's not home you jealous no i'm doing just fine um (laughs) (laughs) but anyway let's get into this we could talk about me and mike i know you have some kind of weird fixation on that well before we um, get going uh some housekeeping we will be running i believe two to three articles this week i got two mike phillips that are uh, hot off the press that i'm gonna run this week and then i believe you wrote an article as well right i sure did yeah i sure did i wrote it um check out the website sorrysports.com Yes, please do. Um, we'll be getting into those, um, and I plan on writing at least one more this week about something. So nice. looking forward to uh, to getting my hands on the uh, on the keyboard again. So there we go. Until that until that time, we'll start with the NBA Finals. I don't know if you were aware, but that's been going on. We're two games in, and we're at a tied series. Um, Golden State did everything they could to piss away that game last night. And they held on because the MVP from their first finals run in 15 came up huge again. And that was Andre Iguodala nailing the three with 5.9 seconds left to secure a Golden State win that looked like it was slipping away because they didn't score, dude, till that point in the previous five minutes. Toronto went on a surge. But what did you take away from this game? And then we'll start talking about the series a little bit more collectively since we haven't spoken since, uh, since game one either. Sloppy game. That's the first thing I'm going to take away from it. Both teams were, uh, not making shots in this game, but every time the Raptors, uh, seemed to make it close and, and they seemed to, the Golden State Warriors seemed to piss it away. They just made a three or they hit a layup or whatnot. I mean, Boogie had a really good game in this game. I forgot, um, I'm guilty of it, and I'm sure a lot of other people are, that Boogie Cousins was probably the best true center in the league just until he tore that Achilles last year. Um, 
And aside from that, there was a little bit of luck and some good ref, good refs on uh, Golden State's side. I mean, the luck is just even on that last play, Curry throws it away basically to Kawhi. Livingston makes a play on the ball, and then Iggy hits a wide open three. So, a lot of luck, but the Warriors pulled it out. I don't know if they can do it again without Clay Thompson, though. Yeah, that's going to be a very interesting. And and right before we got on uh, on the mics here it came down that uh, Looney suffered a broken collarbone. Ooh, and I don't think he, he can play is, through that. No, I don't know how you play basketball with a broken collarbone. And um, his return is indefinite, which to me means he's missing the rest of the series. Like I said, don't know how he's playing through that. But you know one of my favorite terms in all of sports, right? What's that? I think that's called battle-tested. Oh, and that's what literally this game was for Golden State. And listen, they played very sloppy, as you alluded to, that final possession there for the Warriors. Really easily could have gone the other way. It was very helter-skelter. But, you know, when you've been there, done that, and won so many big games, and you had so many guys who who know how to make big plays in big games, yeah, luck for sure comes into it. But how many times do we say the Patriots get lucky? You yeah. know, they eventually, if you're in that position a lot, you know that luck is going to favor the team that's been there a lot. This was they know a, what doing. this was a classic Warriors game by all accounts. Sloppy basketball turnovers. You're down big at halftime, and you come out in the third quarter like a bat out of hell, and just light it up and go on like an 18-0 run or whatever they did. It was a 20-1 to run to lead off the second half. And and how many times have we seen that from the Warriors for about five years now? In big yeah, games they're... where they're down huge because they played terribly in the first half and they commit stupid turnovers and then Kerr takes them into the locker room and they come out like crazy. Yeah, the third quarter is their quarter. It historically has been regardless of the group that's been that they've run out there. I am very interested to see what's going to happen in Game 3 because, you know, they lose Game 1. They could have easily lost yesterday. They didn't. And now if Clay Thompson's going to miss any time, I know he said he's good, but Curry didn't look good yesterday. It looks like he's dealing with some kind of illness. Uh, Durant's still out, of course. Now you lose Looney. But I tell you, if, if Boogie Cousins can give you another performance like what he did last night, Bogut had a lot of positive minutes out there. You know, Quinn Cook hitting four threes. You know, they these guys are just in the position where they know what they're doing. And Steve Kerr, credit to him, obviously, for the coaching. I, I'm fascinated. I really think this series has every all the makings of a seven-gamer. Honestly, man, I'm still saying Warriors in six. I'm going to stick to my guns on this one. Well, Kawhi's kind of banged up, too. He hasn't been great in both of these games, although he's still getting his numbers, mostly, though, from the free throw line. Yeah, and that's not going to help when you're getting banged up. No, absolutely not. But he's still getting there. I give him a lot of credit. Um, Van Fleet has been awesome. And Siakam Siakam just wasn't as awesome in this game, which is probably the reason why they lost. Yeah, absolutely. If he had another 30-point game like he did in game one, I mean, this this easily could have been another Toronto victory. I feel like both these teams are still in that feeling out process with each other. You know, like they Toronto had was really behind that home crowd was really behind them rather in game one, and they fed off that. They also fed off the fact that Golden State didn't play particularly well 
in game two, it felt like Golden State knew they had to win that game, and they found a way to will themselves to that victory. But I still feel like there's a little bit of a feeling out process, both you know injury-wise and schematically. That's why I'm thinking this still could go seven. But what have you taken away? What are your like three big checkpoints so far or takeaways from this series two games in as we head to the Bay Area for game three? Uh, my first takeaway is that the Warriors can come back from any deficit and no game is out of hand for them at all. That's number one. I mean, that's kind of a given. We already knew that. My second biggest takeaway is that Kawhi is clearly playing kind of compromised right now because, I mean, if if you had Kawhi of two series ago or even the last series, I think that this this is a 2-0 series right now. Toronto Raptors are winning. And then the third one is that the Warriors, it's just an infrastructure like the Patriots right now. I mean, Quinn Cook, you put you insert him, he plays like he's a superstar. You insert you insert anybody into these lineups and they play with confidence and they know their role and they know exactly what to do. And I think that's why no matter the injury is sustained, barring that Curry plays the way he should and that Draymond plays the way he should, that they're going to win in six. Yeah, those are all really good takeaways, man. I I echo all of those as well. I think, you know, another thing is to feed off that last point is that infrastructure that you're speaking to, you know, a lot of these guys, they don't have to really even have a lot of familiarity in the scheme of that offense. I think it's because not only is Kurt a master at coaching and putting them in the right spots, but you see guys like Curry, Iguodala, Thompson when he's on the floor, Durant always does when he's on the floor too, even when he's on a hot streak, is they can improvise better than any other team. And I think that that's well, the Draymond, When you have Draymond and Boogie Cousins running point and doing it at a very high level, it's well, very I was tough say, to did beat. You see, did you see some of those passes and dimes that Boogie was dropping in last night? It was I mean, insane. It was, yeah, he, he was he was really truly playing like a point center. Yeah, and let's and, not forget this guy was probably the best post player in the league about a year and a year and a half ago. So I'm I'm interested to see if that wrinkle comes out where he just starts posting guys up. If he if they take out Gasol and they put Ibaka in there where he's got a little bit of size on him, maybe he puts his back to the basket and starts making plays that way as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and I think he—I think he easily can. I mean, he played 27 minutes last night, which Kerr admittedly said was more than he wanted to push him, but he really didn't give him much of a choice. And um, I like the fact that I really like the fact that um, that Boogie can was able to just will himself there despite all the injuries. That's the only thing I worry about when it comes to a Warriors winning this series is that now that Looney's out and your big band bench is really, really thin, is he going to get burnt out if he plays another 27 to 30 minutes next game? And then is he just a shell of himself for the rest of the series? I think that's a gamble you're going to have to take. Especially they don't have a choice. They, they absolutely yeah, don't have a choice. If, Looney, if Looney's going to miss the rest of the series, God knows when KD's coming back. Thompson could miss some time or he'll at least be playing limited. You're going to have to have somebody be the focal point. And this is where he could really shed some of that negative, you know, reputation that he's garnered throughout his time. I mean, I would really would have been interested to see what he could have done on that new Orleans team last year with AD. 
if uh, if he never got hurt and they were able to advance past the second round. But I'm telling you one thing: if he can kind of be the unsung hero and play that play that like Superman role, knowing how limited this Warrior team is, he'll get paid, and his entire reputation of a selfish guy who's was all about him will literally turn right around and become a um, and become a big thing for for Golden State going forward and for his free agency too. Agree with you completely, man. He might make a good load of money next year. Not what he was going to make pre-Achilles injury because that's a very debilitating injury. But I hope I, I, I hope that he does make some good money and he gets a ring out of it because I've always liked him as a player. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Me too. So we'll, let's see what we're going to do next. Um, game three is on Wednesday night, and I really like the fact that the Warriors are going home. I think the Warriors going home is a big thing. And uh, they're going to have that crowd behind them. And then you haven't mentioned you know, the biggest question yet, though. You haven't mentioned what's that? Whether, if Drake shows up to the road games. Oh, well, we know that's not going to happen. I'll be really disappointed. I'm a big Drake guy. Since Degrassi, uh, I'd be really disappointed. It's not going to happen. We know he's, that's not going to happen. I mean, it's been- not like you're going to. I don't know. Name a shitty NBA city uh, off the top of my head. I don't even know. But you're going to Golden State. You're not going to I don't New Jersey when the Nets were there or something like that. Hey man, I think it's just a whole thing. He doesn't want to. He's not going out of Jurassic Park. He'd rather do. He's not going to that game in Milwaukee. If he's not going to Philly, he ain't going there all is. the There's way. There's a to, shitty city, Milwaukee. He's not going to Milwaukee. He's not going to Oakland either. I don't know, man. I hope he shows up. Use that I jet. hope he does too, but he's a, he's being a bit of a fraud. A bit. He's, he's absolutely a, bit, a fraud right now. He's being a bit of a fraud. I say that facetiously. He's being the world's biggest fraud. I mean, he's going to, like I said, I bet you he does this pep rally in freaking Jurassic Park there in Toronto around Maple Leaf Square or whatever the hell it's called. That looks awesome, and, by the way. It does look awesome. That place looks, uh, dude. I, that in, like people talk about like having the fan base behind them. They have an entire fucking country behind them. Yep, absolutely, man. I mean, you can't get much better than that. And that's kind of why I'm low key rooting for the Warriors here. I got to root for Team America. Well, fuck yeah, Re- represent the red, white, and blue, right? <laughs> of course. I can't have <laughs> that trophy going up there. Come on. No, I mean the basketball is not something that they are uh, that they are very much known for. Although uh, Dr. Naismith was born in Canada, so there's that. And there are some pretty good Canadian players. I mean, you got Steve Nash, R.J. Barrett from Canada. R.J. Barrett, future Nick Great. Future, stop. AD, future Nick Great. <laughs> but why don't we jump there in and go. talk about some NBA rumors while we're while AD is on our topic? Um, is he going to give them a chance? That being the New Orleans Hornets, future Seattle Pelicans, future whatever they are, they're they're they've been the Pelicans now for a little bit of time. I um, should have known that. I apologize, everybody. That's not very <laughs> CEO like of me. Um, future Seattle Sorry. SuperSonics. <laughs> future Seattle SuperSonics 2.0. Um, this is a really interesting one. I give David Griffin a lot of credit. Um. You know, David Griffin is a guy who's won in Cleveland. He's very much respected throughout the NBA. 
it's obvious they're taking Zion one, but there's a lot they can do here. And I think you and I have talked about this a lot, right, man? I mean, what is he thinking? Is it New Orleans? Does New Orleans have a chance at all of resigning him? If not, they should try to get the best deal now. Don't even wait until the trade deadline because you risk him possibly getting hurt. I don't know if he wants to play with Zion because after the shit that AD pulled this year, quitting on that team and quitting on that fan base, Zion's going to walk in and become the most popular member of that team. So no question. Anthony Davis, Zero question yeah, about so, that. Exactly. So Anthony Davis is going to have, you know, a little bit of a, a little bit of an issue there as far as public relations and the team that he had in the palm of his hand now is going to turn on. And every time he maybe takes a shot away from Zion and maybe you build some animosity there. Listen, if he decides, if he had a change of heart and decides that he really wants to give this a shot, I'm all for it. But to answer your question, man, I still think he wants out. I don't think he wants to be there. I don't think he has any intention of being there long term. And now you start speculating, right? So what are you hearing most recently since we last talked about possible destinations for uh, for the Unibrow? Well, the Lakers are out because you love spite and that owner's being quite quite spiteful. Um, I think Yeah, Gail Benson will not trade him to the Lakers, which is great. I think the Knicks are the best trade partner. It makes sense. I'm not even just saying that as a biased, very, very, very biased, broken down, um, near-death Knicks fan. <laughs> I'm not even saying that as that. I just think they're, they're the best option. I don't think the Celtics are going to be willing to part with the pieces that are that are going to have to uh, that are going to have to be given up with. Uh, maybe he'll resign, or maybe he won't. And no. So did yeah. I did not see what you're talking about. What are we talking about? I was going to say, I thought for when you first said whether he'll resign or not, I was thinking if you were talking about this hinging on a Kyrie thing, and Kyrie just came out today saying, well, there was a report that from Rick Buecher of Fox that said Kyrie has narrowed down his decision to the Lakers and the Nets. So wow. if the if So if the Celtics do make a, a push for AD, it's not going to be with Kyrie there. Sorry, to, sorry to interrupt you, my That's man, okay. That's that was, all right. It's the name of the pod. That's where um, I thought you were going. So let's let's just go with that. How do you feel about that with Kyrie going to uh, going to the Nets? It's well, down to the quick, final just, two. Well, I think just you know, I think that that actually segues this. Look at us. You know, this is chemistry. As we approach a hundred episodes, this just worked beautifully. Um, it's not even so much Kyrie to the Nets thing. It's it's another possibility for AD. Because if I think AD that eliminates gonna... a possibility for AD. With the Nets? No, with the, with oh, with the Celtics, yes. Yeah, I still think that they would maybe try to make a push for him. I know Ainge loves him, and I think that even though Davis's father, I believe it was this year, came out and said that he doesn't like Boston and he won't resign there. Listen, we've seen Boston. You know, Celt- the Celtics are a hallmark organization in the league. They have a very storied franchise in history. I believe that they could maybe convince him to stay if they traded for him. But now you're talking about the Nets, who could rival the Knicks. And, you know, if if Kyrie says, I want to go here, let's say Kevin Durant goes to the Knicks, which is, you know, pretty much a sure thing depending on who you hear it from. But the general consensus is good vibes that he's going there. You know the the what Chris Broussard of Fox and has been back, back, backed up by a couple other reports have said that 
you know, the Nets have been one of the most aggressive shoppers of Anthony Davis, and the rumored proposal would be a trade centered around a sign-and-trade of D'Angelo Russell and Jared Allen, and then, you know, you're looking at maybe a Rodion's Kurooks, and then, you know, your two first-round picks this year and a first and a future first or second in the following year. Now you have your two superstars, Kyrie there with another superstar, which he didn't have in Boston. And now there's a situation for AD. The Knicks definitely, and I, I was trying to tell you, I, I think the Knicks do make the most sense, as is currently constituted. You have the number three pick, which is very intriguing because you're going to get a great player there. You can New Orleans can basically tell the Knicks who they want. Or maybe they want more picks and they tell the Knicks you got to trade this third pick for maybe to Atlanta for the 8th and the 10th or something like that. Or you're getting Zion's buddy and R.J. Barrett. You're getting a Kevin Knox, a Dennis Smith Jr., you know, maybe a Mitchell Robinson, some future picks. I mean, you're talking about a lot of talent going over to New Orleans to now plug in with a Drew Holiday and a Zion Williamson. Now, all of a sudden, that team's building, and shit, man, they could be better than what they've been the last couple of years with AD. So, I still think the Knicks do give the horn, the, look at now, you've got me saying the Hornets, the <laughs> Pelicans, the Pelicans, the best uh, possible offer. I completely agree with you, man, but I do have to call you out for being a fraud, because now you're all excited about Chris Broussard, the very man who you said you weren't a no, huge no, fan no, no, of no, no, last no. week, I, I'm but getting, now he's in your favor. No, oh, no, 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 no. Look I'm at giving... the backpedal. You're tripping over yourself backpedaling here. No, we ch- I'm giving him the I'm giving him at least credit. Listen, we're we You're take pride in, in our craft. <laughs> I, I'm taking pride in my craft. I'm gonna say where I heard it from. I don't trust him for anything. This is the guy that said Dwight Howard was a net like seven times. That never happened. And he's getting into Twitter battles with Kevin Durant over what a direct message and a text and an email is. I'm just saying that that's who has been reporting it and other people have at least mentioned that yes they have also heard that the nets are aggressively pursuing him so it could all just be a smoke screen who cares i mean if the, if Kyrie's not going to the nets then d'angelo russell's coming back and you're not going to trade him because there's your point guard but either way this ad thing is going to come to the forefront soon because dra- the draft is in just over uh, just under three weeks i believe so, yeah, three weeks from – two weeks from this Thursday. Yeah, so the Knicks like, actually are working out, R.J. Barrett. I think either he's going to be on the team or he's going to be on whoever they trade it, trade the pick to. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just don't know what else would be the option, right? Like, who else are you taking at three? R.J. Barrett's the best prospect. You take the best prospect. Yeah, absolutely. Not, it's not even close, and it's a heavy drop-off from there. Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's a big drop-off from one, two to three, and there's an even bigger drop-off from three down to the rest. I mean, you're going to get a quality player in a Culver or, you know, a Garland or a Hunter, but they're not, they don't have the potential of R.J. Barrett. And I know that R.J. Barrett didn't have a great year at Duke, and people are not all that excited about him, but I still think he's a really good prospect. That was a tough position for him to be in last year. That was Zion's team, and everybody knows it. I think he would have him and Cam Reddish would have uh, would have done a lot better if they had a team to themselves. But here's a story that's developed over the last what is it four or five days, buddy? Your Houston Rockets. That's right, your Houston Rockets. 
apparently to Daryl Morey, they could blow up the entire damn thing. I'm pretty sure that means not counting Harden, but Daryl Morey could do. He just also about said anything. Harden's available though. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think come on. Said it, it, it's again like what what is value for James Harden right now? Like, if yeah, you no, were, you'd if have you to get GM, blown out of the water. Put on your GM's cap again. You're good at this. CEO cap to GM cap. Okay. Okay. What is an equal trade right now? Counting the cap for James Harden. Counting the cap. I really can't. I really can't think of like anything that you could get back that's equal value for what he does. If we're going in a real NBA world here and we're counting the cap, I don't think there's anything because he's making the max contract. There's no trade for him at all. I mean, if you're talking like I would trade, I would trade Zion for him, and I would tra- I would trade Zion or Luca. That's pretty much it. And right. Giannis. Yeah, none of those teams are doing that. No, not at all. I don't and, think. And and the cap wouldn't match up either. Right. Yeah, you would have to throw in a bunch of bunch of other contracts to make that work. But I'm just saying, for value purposes, is. Yeah, you would probably. There's only a couple people in the league you wouldn't trade for Harden, and I think Dallas wouldn't trade Luca. I don't think Milwaukee would trade Giannis, and I don't think that the Pelicans soon will be trading Zion. Other than that, I think just about anybody is worth Harden. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, the thing that's crazy, and I, I just want to bring this up with Giannis. I'm, I'm drawing some LeBron parallels here. Giannis is a big competitor. Do you think in a few years, does he leave Milwaukee or is he there for life? That's a really great question. Um, I'm going to have to just go based off of the fact that Milwaukee has never kept a star. So just going, going back to Jabbar. Exactly. Yeah. Lou Alcindor at the yeah, time. At the time. Um, I believe that. No, they, he he'll probably look to leave, especially capitalize on his market. He does to say he says he loves Milwaukee, and he says that you know that's his. He would love to win there, but they're going to have to get another superstar to join him. And no matter how you know attractive it could be to play with Giannis, I don't think it's that attractive to play with Giannis in Milwaukee. It's a lot like you know LeBron the decision nine years ago. Yep. Now crazy to think about that, right? Yeah, that was nine years ago. That is crazy. That it, if he had it his way, he would have stayed in Cleveland and gotten a great player to you know gotten Wade and Bosch to go there. But nobody wanted to go play in Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people want to go play in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So I no, think and no he matter- says he says he loves Milwaukee right now, but try not getting over the hump for another four years, and then tell me if you love Milwaukee still. No, I, I, I totally agree. And again, I think that he might still love it and he might feel sentimental. It seems like he's just one of those great guys. But to be honest, I thought Anthony Davis was too until this year. And the thing about the NBA is we see it with all these stars, right? There's various chapters in their careers. It starts with build yourself a brand with whomever drafts you and go as far as you can with that team. Then it's build a super team or go join a team, win a couple titles, and then expound upon that brand that you have now with a couple of championships under your belt. 
And Giannis will probably be looking at, you know, the obvious in L.A. and New York, and then probably Miami is always going to be in consideration. And that, or whatever team, you know, in the next four or five years shows that maybe it's a dynasty and Giannis just decides to join them. I think Milwaukee is going to do the best they can, but, you know, comments from, you know, Malcolm Brogdon saying, I've never been in a more divisive city, which when he used the word divisive, you know, he meant the word segregated. That was pretty much what he was uh, referring to. It's never That's been a tough. destination. That is tough. That's tough. And um, they, they might lose Brogdon then as well, who's a cornerstone for that franchise, former rookie of the year. And um, yeah, I just, I don't Free see agent. Giannis. I don't see Giannis staying there. No, me neither. I mean, and don't forget, too, Middleton's a free agent, as is Brooke Lopez. I mean, they're a lot of the supporting cast that helped get them to the best record in the NBA this year. Could Some of them are going to be gone. Miritich, another free agent. So Well, Lopez definitely lot... isn't coming back because they got him heavily discounted. Right, yeah, and I could see him latching onto it. Uh, honestly, a team – could you imagine if Brooke Lopez went to the Warriors – Oh man! If they if he if 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 Cousins leaves, I could see it happening. I could see him taking another cheap deal and saying, "I already made my money." Him bombing threes with Curry and Thompson—that would be amazing. But he's honestly yeah, a so perfect I, fit for them because he can also play in the low post and he's a really good passer. Oh, he's fantastic! He fits that brand of basketball unbelievably well, but. You know, going back to Giannis for just a quick second and then going back to all the way to the Rockets conversation is, yeah, it, Giannis is a guy that seems like he's genuinely interested in building a championship team with Milwaukee and staying there, but a lot can change in a short amount of time and it depends what they put around him, obviously. And then, then if you're the Bucks, you have to... you have to find the best deal available, much like what the Pelicans are dealing with Davis and... You know, going back to Harden, not a lot of. I don't think he's going to be moved, but there's a lot of those ancillary pieces that could be. Yeah, so let's and talk about one, the pieces that are actually going to get moved. Number one to me, dude, is and Chris Paul. You know, I can't stand Chris Paul. Jeez, is he welcome on I the pod? You know what he is I, because he's a great guy. I don't think he's a great basket. I don't think he's nearly as great of uh, the point god as people make him out to be. All indications is he's a really good guy, so he's welcome on the pod. But All right, fair enough. I will be happy to tell him, hey, man, I don't get it. Like, what has happened to you? Because you have played on some great teams and have come up short a lot. Now, that's a lot of money that he is owed. Remember that sign and trade with the Clippers? And I'm very interested to see if they can move that contract and where who would possibly take him? Like, there's one team, te- and you know who it is. There's one I, team. I think there's more. There, I think there's more than one. But yes, well, I think are we talking about a team that wears purple and gold? The only other team that's dumb enough to do it is if the Knicks don't get anybody in free agency. Aside from yes, yeah. the Lakers. <laughs> I mean, the Lakers obviously make sense. Maybe you do something like Alonzo and Kuzma, and the, or maybe maybe the fourth pick this year and Kuzma or something like that. I mean, the interesting thing with Paul is again. And then you sign Mello and D Wade. I think that you have to. 
There's no I choice. Think you get the whole ban- the whole banana boat crew together. Yeah, you might um, as well just have Chris Bosh be an assistant coach too. Why not? Why not? But I yeah, I, the Knicks. Uh, I I don't see the Knicks doing that. Even if even if the, their plans don't go, there's too many other good point guards that they can sign with all the money that they have. Come on, Kemba. Even if they. Even if they strike out on Kemba and Kyrie, I mean, you're still there's a lot of other good point guards available. Uh, in Starting the point guard for the Knicks next year, Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna have like a Terry Rozier, maybe sign him to an, uh, an offer sheet. You also can trade for a Mike Conley. I was joking about the like Van Vliet Ricky... thing. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's the Knicks. Yeah, exactly. Right. Which is why CP3 will be on this team next year. Yeah, well, I I also, I mean, I think that there's other teams who are, like, barely in the playoffs or fringe playoff teams that could maybe, like, a team like the Magic makes sense, like, you know, to excite the fan base, because even though we think he's drastically overrated, at least I do, he's still Chris Paul, and I think he put some asses in the seats down there, and you can convince the fan base that you're really serious about building on the eight seed that they got this past year. Put him, you know, maybe trade an Aaron Gordon or something. Because if you're Houston, you've got to get back some wings. You've got to back get back some playmakers because they don't have any of those. And Harden, obviously, as he just gets a, a year older, cannot continue to play this kind of style of basketball and wear himself out by March and into April. Like it's just not it's not feasible. So I think the reason that Daryl Moore is talking about breaking down this infrastructure is get more complementary pieces. Like, if you put the players that the Clippers had this year around James Harden, like a Danilo Gallinari and a Patrick Beverly and a Shamit and, like, people like that, like, dude, I think that team would have could have easily beaten the Warriors this year, especially if you play out the preconceptions you know, if you play out the scenario that Durant got hurt. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know about beat the Warriors, but I think they definitely would have put up more of a fight in the, in the final game six and probably push it to at least seven. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm interested to see if Maury can figure out a way to offload that giant Chris Paul contract. But aside from that, there's really not much left on this team. So he's got a lot of – even though this team was, what, third in the East – I believe, or something like that. Fourth in the West. Sorry, fourth, fourth in, the West. in the West. I don't know my directions here. It's late, everybody. <laughs> Fucking relax. Um, they're fourth in the West. I mean, they really don't have that many pieces. Well, we've been they're we said dragging, that all They're dragging year. guys off the scrap heap all year. We said that all year, and even though I don't like watch, watching his style of basketball, and I don't find it appealing, I don't take... I, I, I picked Harden as my MVP because... You said it how many times on the podcast during the winter time? Austin Rivers was probably his second best player on that team when Gordon was hurt and Paul was hurt. And, you know, and Capella too. I mean, Capella's a guy who I put him in that same mold as your DeAndre Jordan and, you know, your guy, your big centers that don't, they're good defensive players, but they're not real offensive threats. They can't really make their own shots. Well, they can do one thing, and that's roll to the basket. Right. And he's a guy that I still think has some value. But at this point, if you're looking to build around Harden, what Maury should be going for is a lot of depth. 
find your player, find your players like, you know, a Los Angeles Clippers uh, scouting department found. Find a supporting cast like the Brooklyn Nets had. You know, the Nets didn't have a superstar. You could say Russell was their lone all-star. Levert was probably their next best player. But you've got guys like Dinwiddie and Kirks and Carroll and guys like that that would all fit a Houston team. And I, and I ran down that, that roster on uh, on Los Angeles. So I think that's what they should do. They should try to offload for some draft picks, offload for some for more depth, and just let Harden continue to run the show, but at least have a couple of auxiliary pieces to kick the ball out to who can create their own shots as well. I like Eric Gordon. I think he's a fine player. And I like P.J. Tucker, but we've seen those guys are not capable of being the second man when Harden is struggling or needs help. And obviously Chris Paul has never really done that. So they're in a bind. I think that they become now with the exception of the free agents, they become the most compelling storyline, you know, in, in the NBA this off season to see what they're going to do because their roster configuration could look completely different in three months. Yeah. And aside from Danny Ainge, who will trade his own kids for a better player, Daryl Morey doesn't mess around, and when these rumors come out, it's usually true, and he will pull the trigger on these things. So there's some there's some where it's just bullshit fodder, and and you don't believe it. But I I truly believe that this will happen, and he'll do everything he can because he's a guy where if there's reports out there, it's it's definitely happening. Yep, and remember how analytically driven he is, and his entire department down there in Houston is. You can bet that they'll be trying to find guys that are going to fit their style of basketball and be ahead of the curb. There's so many good free agents. You know, we, we get caught up in the top guys, and rightfully so. But even the C-plus and the B-minus free agents are really solid players, and if they can get rid of some of that money that are, is tied up in a Chris Paul, find one or two desperate teams. Another team that could make sense as a possible trade partner is Phoenix. I think Phoenix makes a lot of sense because – they're going to have to do something. I don't believe that Devin Booker is a true point guard. I, they're, they're now not in a position where they can draft John Morant like everybody thought they'd be drafting one or two. And you're going to have to get that fan base to finally buy in because they've sucked for a while now, even though they've been drafting high. You got your Devin Booker. You got a DeAndre Ayton. Listen, I'm not a Chris Paul fan as far as taking a good team to a championship, but I am a Chris Paul fan from taking a bad team to a respectable team. And I think, again, his brand name carries a lot of clout for organizations that haven't been good for a while. So I think maybe maybe you can capitalize on a team like Phoenix, get your TJ Warren, and maybe another one or two pieces yeah, to Jackson's make the money work. Yeah, out of favor down there too. So Yeah, and, and again, if you put those guys... Guy. That's right. So if you put them around Harden in Houston, I think that 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 would make sense. Again, get more depth pieces because clearly going for the star power uh, with Chris Paul has not worked out. You heard uh, those reports from Woj. What was it a couple weeks ago saying that they didn't they really weren't getting along at certain points of season, although they sure played it off well in those State Farm commercials. Yeah. Well, those were probably filmed a long time ago, but let's talk some baseball, man. Let's talk some baseball. Let's do it. Because the Yankees are hot right now. Yeah, we've been saying that for the better part of two months, right? This team is fun. 
And I can't wait for these guys, if they ever do, to come back off injury and be at full strength. But they take two or three from the former, the reigning world champion Red Sox, and they look great. Dude, they look so good. And and the word you used was fun, and you couldn't be more perfectly right with that word. It is fun. And you know what? As we've said, and I'm going to continue to say it every podcast that we talk baseball, I want the Stars back because, listen, you're not a worse team with John Carlos Stanton, Didi Gregorius, and Aaron Judge. Like, you're just not. Like, you're a much better team. But listen, Gio Urshela, for people that don't want to lose Urshela, don't worry. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be your everyday third baseman, and the only time he's not going to be playing third base is when DJ LeMahieu plays third, and Yankee fans love him. You're getting back Didi, who, let's not forget, over the last few years has become a fan favorite. Um, you know, you're getting back Stanton, who I know Yankee fans don't love because he has to indoctrinate himself to fans and whatever and all that. Yankees weren't a playoff team without him last year when Judge went down. We know that. Every intelligent Yankee fan and baseball fan knows that. He's going to help a lot, especially with some of the problems that Clint Frazier's been having. And listen, Gardner, as streaky as he is, and he's been on a hot streak lately, we know he can have really, really bad cold streaks and play himself almost into an impossible, impossible to play situation. Kendris Morales hasn't done a whole lot since they've got, gotten him, but he's still a, a threatening bat, but not a guy that you want going forward. And Aaron Judge, dude, watching Clint Frazier in the outfield the last couple of weeks has been really the only negative of this team in the last couple of weeks. I don't know what has happened to him, but it looks like he can't track a baseball. He has no idea where the baseball is. It's definitely not a lack of hustle. It's definitely not a lack of caring. He can't find the ball. And now you're getting a gold glove right fielder and Aaron Judge back into right field every day in a couple of weeks. This team's going to be freaking unreal. Um, But for now... Dude, all they do is win. They beat Chris Sale the other night. They beat uh, Rick Porcello the other night. Gary Sanchez has 18 home runs already. Coming up big. Urshela's been great. LeMahieu's been great. Voight's been hitting bombs. The bullpen has been lights out. At least the main guys have. Like, what can you possibly say? They've won nine straight series. They're 18 games over 500. It, it, It just doesn't stop. This team is this team is great. What are your takeaways right now? Like this has been so much fun. Oh, this this team is a ton of fun. Boone's doing a really good job this year. I don't really have any complaints about him at all. Great job by my one of my uh, fathers of sports, Cashman. Of course, I've really been high on him lately, especially with the other two. They're really they're in the basement for me. The only the only uh, not to be a nitpicky fan. The only thing I do worry about is Frazier. I think this is definitely concussion symptoms. It might be that or he's a little rusty playing the outfield and he's also a left fielder trying to play right field right now. Ball comes off the bat a little bit differently. Um but I I mean this guy is a five-tool player when when healthy. I I mean obviously he's hitting ball and he can still throw cuz I've seen him throw out a couple of guys. But he cannot track a ball right now, and this was a guy that could be that was supposed to be a potential Gold Glover. Yeah, man. I mean, he. You're right. He is. He has played more left in his career, but he has played some right field, and, and it's it's troubling to me because it, it really doesn't look like he can track the ball. And 
I don't think that he's a surefire trade candidate. I think that they really do like him, and I think that especially going into the seed, you know, once Stanton's back and Judge is back, you know, Stanton becomes primarily your DH, right? So your left field is going to be Gardner and Frazier. But I think one thing that we have to, we can't underestimate is the fact that they're going to try to make a big move and a splash in the starting pitching department. And I don't know if Clint Frazier is a guy that's untouchable. And I don't think the reason he's I, untouchable at the, all. The reason I say that is not because he hasn't performed and not because they don't like him as a player. But you and I both know this, and you would know it more so because, you, you know, he's one of your sports fathers. I know you guys have some very, very good conversations, strong conversations with each other. But Cashman seems to have his guys. You know, like even when Gary Sanchez was struggling like crazy last year and it looked like he was a little out of shape and couldn't block a ball, and he, he was never going to trade him. He loves him some Gary Sanchez. That organization loves them some Gary Sanchez. And they're reaping the benefits this year. You know, I mean, with the exception of last year, the guy has basically been a Hall of Famer ever since he came up in 16. And even until finally Luke Voigt just snatched the job from him because he can't stay on the field, he's loved Greg Bird. I mean, Greg Bird was basically, you could do no wrong. Bird was going to come back and he was going to get every opportunity to play. I think that ship has finally sailed. But I don't feel like Frazier's in that same group. I feel like Frazier's a guy that they love, that they know is a good player, but I think he's expendable. I think that they've shown at times that they're not going to give him the call-up every time. And with this team, especially with the way Cameron Maben has played, he's a guy I you know, didn't mention earlier, but he's done nothing but play great for the Yankees, a real veteran fourth outfielder who won a world series as that same kind of role player for Houston in 17. Like, couldn't you see a situation in which Frazier, like the San Francisco giants or the nationals or a team, maybe we're not thinking about maybe the blue Jays. If, if they want somebody like a Stroman or something says we really want Frazier. And you're like, you know what? We still have, Ju- we still have Gardner. We still have Stanton. We still have judge and Hicks and, Maven can play all three outfield positions well, give a great quality at bat, be a defensive replacement, is gonna see is knows his role. We'll figure out full time left field next year. We gotta go get our pitcher. I think he I think I would not be surprised if they moved him. I don't think they will, but I wouldn't be surprised. I don't want them to because I think Learning how to track a fly ball just comes with reps, and he can improve that in the off season. Um, unless it's just a concussion thing, and I don't know how you can hit a ninety-eight mile an hour fastball like he can turn on it like that, seeing it in a split second, but not being able to track a fly ball. I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist, so I couldn't explain that one to you. But I just, I hope they don't trade him, just because you know he's my guy, and I think he's going to be a cornerstone oh, of this franchise. Too. But I could definitely see it happening too. I don't think it will, but I, I don't think he's I don't think he's one of the untradeables. I don't think he's Glaber. I don't think he's Gary. No, I don't either. I totally agree. And that was a really good group that you put him in with because, you know, those guys were never going to get moved. I look at him a lot like I look at Andujar. I don't think they'll move him, and I don't think they're looking to move him. 
but I don't think there'll be roadblocks, especially, you know, left field's one of the easiest positions you can fill in, especially with this team. Like, if, but like, can you think about this, dude? The worst case scenario next year is if the Yankees do trade Frazier this summer. The worst case scenario is that your starting left fielder next year is John Carlos Stanton. Yeah, absolutely. Or probably right. DJ that, LeMay here. That's. That's that's stupid. Like their bad yeah. case scenario is that Jean Carlos Stanton is their starting left fielder next year. So that's I think crazy. they're fine with that. I think they're fine with that. Uh, and Duhar, same deal. I don't think they're looking to trade him. I don't think that they want to. But again, if a team really needs him and is asking for him, and the Yankees are pitching deprived, I mean, this could be another summer. You know, we're talking about how great the Yankees are, and they have been great. But starting pitching has been a has been an issue and it's not going to get any better. I went to the game Saturday night and Herman didn't even get out of the, didn't even get out of the fourth. And, um, you know, that's a problem. And it's already starting to show that his last couple starts have not been good. We already know he's on an innings limit. Hap is starting to turn it around, but he's had some bad starts. You know, CC's not giving you a lot of length and Paxton just came back off the IL and he's going to be pitching with a knee, which we don't know how great it is. So you've got a lot of questions in your rotation, and we still don't know when Severino's coming back, slash if he comes back. There's a case. I mean, last year they got Hap and Lance Lynn. This year they might have to go out and get two pitchers, maybe a Mike Miner from Texas. Maybe you go get one of those starting pitchers from Toronto if they're made available in Stroman or Sanchez. Obviously you've got, Bumgarner, who's going to be the prized possession. Let's see if Washington decides to get crazy. I doubt it. But there's going to be teams that have starting pitching that are going to ask for some of these guys. And I think you're going to have to entertain the thought because if you want to get something great, you're going to have to give up something great. It's just what you, fortunately, right now, because of Urshawa, what he's done, and what you have LeMahieu under contract for next year, I think third base is a position that is. You know, you can make someone expendable, and we know left field is. So if Frazier can't play right, and you know he's not a center fielder, you only pigeonhole him in the left, is he going to be the reason you don't go out and get possibly a difference maker of a starter? We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, absolutely. And just before we go, we're, we're talking about pitching. We're on the subject of pitching. Let's talk a little bit of MLB free agency in season. So the draft has already happened. The Yankees actually just made their pick. They picked a shortstop at 30 out of high school. So Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell are no longer tied to a draft pick. Everyone was saying these guys were going to sign at midnight on the dot or 12.01, whatever, on June 2nd. And they still have yet to sign. So so what are, what's going on with these two? I think they're just fielding offers and fielding the best ones. And I think they kind of want, I think they both know where they want to go if they had their choice. And then it's about making the money work. I mean, John Heyman has said on multiple occasions, the Yankees are considered the favorite for Keuchel. Um, But indications were this morning that they were still pretty far away as far as the money was concerned. Tampa's involved, Minnesota. Come on, Cash, let's not get cheap now. Come on. <laughs> I, I feel the same way. Uh, Minnesota, who has the best record in baseball right now, 40-18, and 18, uh, they're sniffing around on both of those guys and have been in contact with uh, both of their agents. Um, 
there Cardinals have been rumored for for Keuchel, amongst others. I think every contending team should be looking at both of these guys. And now I think they're just because you know the, you can. No other team could have given them an offer before because if they took it, then you give up the draft pick. But I think that they were saying, hey, you know, kind of doing that toe, toe tapping dance and saying, okay, what are you, what's, what are you looking for? Keiko said he prefers one year, finish up strong, and then get back on the free agent market next year. I still have a gut feeling that the Yankees are going to go in and land him. It makes too much sense from both what the Yankees need and what Keuchel says he really wants, which is pitching for a really a, a first-place team on the big stage. Kimbrell, I think, makes sense. God, dude, anywhere. I mean, there were so many horrific bullpens, especially in the National League. The Cubs, if they can find any money, make obviously a lot of sense. If the Nationals think they're still in it, sign in that makes sense their bullpen's historically bad the Mets makes sense uh Milwaukee makes sense um I don't know in the American League I've, I've always said Boston makes sense Tampa Bay again another lights out reliever down there um I don't know I I, I think that I think both of these guys are going to find close to the deal they're looking for at least on a one-year salary I don't know. What do you what do you think is going to happen with with both of these guys? If I were if I were a betting man, which unfortunately I am, um, I would bet that Kimball <laughs> signs with the Yankees at some point because I I think I hate to say this, but you know I got a good you know I got a good feel for the injury, right? Kimball? No, 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 no. I'm sorry, Keuchel. You know I'm bad. I was going to say, dude. I, I was going to say. Well, I mean, that Kansas was a dream. We dreamed that up on the last pod, how incredible that would be. I think <laughs> Keiko. Well, Batances, hopefully he comes back soon. Uh, he's pitching off a pitcher's mound for the first time, so that's nice. Um, but I think that the Yankees, I, I got a good feel for the injury. I got a good feel for the injury bug. And I think that another pitcher, another starter is going to get hurt. Maybe Herman is not feeling right right now. He's, he gets on the 10-day. Paxton's knees barking again. Or obviously the classic CCIL stint. That's, that's just a given. And Cashman calls me up and he says, what should I do, Tom? I mean, you're my son. I, I want your advice. And I'm going to tell him, <laughs> just give, just give, just give Keiko a blank check. And I think that the Yankees end up signing him as for Kimbrell, who is a closer. He pitches out of the bullpen and he played for the Good Red call. Sox last year. I know he won a world series with them. I know who he is. I, I just got the two confused. I think that he goes either to the Cardinals or he goes to the Red Sox and I'm leaning towards the Red Sox. Hmm. I think he. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, this Boston team has a lot of holes this year. Players are not playing up to what they did last year, where they were unstoppable. And I don't think Kimbrel solves those problems, but they do lead the MLB with, I think, nine blown saves. So I think he could help that out. Although he has a walking yeah. heart attack on the mound, he seems to always get the job done. Yes, and and that's a that's a good call by you because you know what they're not. They have blown a lot of saves, but actually their bullpen has not been as bad as was predicted going into the season. They do have some good guys. Like, Walden's been good. Barnes has been pretty solid. Um, Hembry's been good. I mean, they have some pretty solid arms down there that have gotten the job done. 
But again, you don't feel great about any of them. I've always thought Kimbrell back to Boston made sense. St. Louis is interesting because they have Andrew Miller. They have Jordan Hicks. But especially if they take him away from the Cubs, who just the only reason they're not getting him is because they can't afford him. That is a gut-wrenching blow. And to Milwaukee, too, because Milwaukee really needs... You know, you have a Jeremy Jeffress, and obviously you have Josh Hader, who, along with Chapman, just won reliever of the month in May. Um, you have a you have a lights out closer, but I think that Kimbrel would come back and really and and be a setup man. Um, I mean, I, I think I that's really... I think that's the perfect fit for Kimbrel because you have him in the eighth inning, not as high pressure of a situation, and then you could put Miller back in that Indian slot where he's kind of your super reliever. He can come in in the fifth inning if he has to and give you two or three strong. Yeah, if his knee can hold up and still do that, but I like I like the thought of that for sure. I mean, and, and you know, bullpens can get so creative these days anyway. But going back to Keuchel for a second, if the Yankees don't get him, I think a team to really look out for is the Twins. The Twins have signed a couple of good, really good pitchers over the last few years and have turned them into either commodities if they've bottomed out or have helped pitch them to, um, to a postseason berth. I mean, three years ago, remember, they, they acquired Jaime Garcia and then flipped him to the Yankees because they free-falled. But they, they got a Jaco Rizzi in a trade, and he's been great. Kyle Gibson's been great. I mean, right now, if you were to go into a postseason series and face the Twins, you're staring at Jose Barrios, Jaco Rizzi, and Kyle Gibson as your front three. Those are three really good arms, but all right-handers. If you throw a Dallas Keuchel in the game two or game three to split those guys up, now you're talking about a team that's legit, you know? I mean, if you put them in Tampa, obviously there's – your actual your fourth starter, so you get rid of an opener one of those days, and you got Snell and Glass now when he comes back. Um, not to mention Charlie Morton, his old teammate in Houston. Houston still makes sense, although I haven't heard that they've really been linked to him as of late. But Houston, you know, you've got you got Verlander, and you've got obviously uh, Cole. Other than that, they've had some injuries. Um, McCullers is out, so he it, it definitely makes sense to go back to where he's had all his success. But this is an opportunity now for the Yankees to say, listen, maybe we love our guys and we don't want to trade anybody yet, and we'll see what emerges in July. But right now we see a, uh, an opportunity to really put the foot on the gas pedal and take off. And listen, a six-day rotation for this rotation, if we just extrapolate it out, makes a whole lot of sense because you, you're going to get, you got Tanaka. I know who doesn't like pitching on extra rest, but he can always use it. We know his elbow and you want to save some bullets for the postseason. Paxton ease him back up to a hundred pitch count. He only went four innings for no hit innings. That was within his first start back. He goes tomorrow on uh, Wednesday in Toronto you got Hap, who's a, a durable guy, but Boone seems like he really is only comfortable with him now, you know, in that five to five and two-thirds, six innings range. CeCe's about the same. And then Herman is lucky to get via that, and he's also on an innings limit. And I think the big wild card is Severino, right? Like, when is Sevy coming back? Is he coming back? Is he coming back to the ace level, or is he coming back to what we saw at the end of last year? 
this is an opportunity now to really get creative with your rotation and save this uh, bullpen who has been taxed very heavily so far, and we're just into early June. And All you don't want to see sign Kimbrel. Yeah, there you go. And you don't want to see all these guys burnt out. And Keiko, listen, I know he's not what he was in 2015 when he won the Cy Young. He's probably not even what he was in 2017 when he won, I believe, uh, 16 games. But last year he went 11 and 10 and pitched to a 3.75. And I would happily take that again, especially since you've already gotten through the first half of the season. Almost, you know, getting too close to the end of the first half of the season. I, I think it just makes too much sense to not happen, but we've seen stranger things, and it's going to become who's most desperate and who's willing to pony up. And also, he is a free agent. Both of these guys are. Where do they want to go? That's We should be finding out soon, though. Absolutely. I, I have a feeling they're going to sign within the next five days because they want to get out there and get on the mound. That makes sense, right? Because it's probably going to also take them a couple. I mean, maybe Kimbrel not too much because he's a reliever, but you know, Scott Boris has said Keuchel's been throwing a hundred and a hundred pitch sim, simulated games. That's nice, and that's good to get your arm up to speed. But it's not anywhere close to pitching in the same game. It's going to probably have to be a situation where this guy gets two or three rehab starts down in AAA for whatever team signs him. So you're looking at probably end of June. If they sign by Friday, you're looking at, you know, in a week, in probably 10 to 17 days before their first start. That only gives you about five before, four before the All-Star break. Yeah, but you know what? At this point with the Yankees, the way they're rolling, I think you roll the dice on him. Give him a blank check cash. You have my approval. That's all you really need. The CEO um, of Sorry Sports has spoken. Exactly. But we just hit the one hour mark. That about wraps it up for uh, for this podcast. We may be back on later in the week, but definitely check out the website, sorrysports.com, if you want some more content from us because it will be running hot this week. And um, enjoy the rest of your week. Take care, everybody.